This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, it's Casper. And Becky. From the DFWTO podcast. If you've been a longtime listener, you know how much mental health means to us. Mental health actually plays a role in many horror films, especially the final girl subgenre. Whether it's Nancy facing her nightmares and defeating Freddy, or Sydney taking out Ghostface to overcome the trauma of and avenge her mother's death. Not only are horror movies a huge comfort to Casper and I, so is putting our mental health first. And if you agree and you're searching for professional services, let BetterHelp be your guide. BetterHelp will connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you start your journey of self-awareness and discovery. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be flexible and convenient for any type of schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get yourself matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Just like the final girls that triumph over evil, triumph over your trauma with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DFWTO and save 10% off your first month when you sign up today. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-F-W-T-O. And remember, guys, don't, don't fuck, fuck with the original. original. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. And I am your other host, Becky Grimlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because Wednesdays are for podcasts. And tonight, you guys, we have a episode coming at you that is true crime. And we will be talking about a um, teenager that killed his parents and sister who grew up to be a professor. Of behavioral science, which I still find really ironically funny. Uh, just a tad. I don't know how you could. I mean, it is. It's the 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 irony, or I may be using the wrong the wrong word. Apparently, when you say irony, it's like oh, not using the right word. Um. But yeah, just the fact that, and I I'm pretty sure I found out about this randomly either on TikTok or Instagram. I get on sides, mostly on Instagram, of these, um, a lot of true crime pages that'll just have like either uh, specific true crime facts or like creepy stuff or weird stuff or whatever. And you're just like, oh, what is that? And some of the things I know, some of the things I don't. This one I had never heard of before. So I was like, you know what? I think this would make a really good podcast topic because this is a crazy story. Yes. Um, kudos to Becky for finding this story for us because this is wild to me. I just couldn't get over the fact that he became a professor of behavioral science. I'm like, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But okay. <laughs> yeah. So the article that <clears throat> Becky has found is called The Distinguished Professor with a Murderous Pass. Past by Anita. I'm going to destroy her last name. So we're going to call her Anita D. Yep. Um, and it was done Dura back in 2021. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm going to 
destroy that. D as in we do not know how to say your last name, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, in 2021, I tried to find the most recent article I could. Uh, and this is also with medium.com. We've used a lot of different articles for media.com. They all, they're always very well written and well detailed. Um, so in 2013, James St. James, Dr. James St. James, was a professor and department head of psychology at Millican University in Decatur, Illinois. He was well respected at the university and was distinguished in his field. However, no one knew that he was hiding a deep and dark secret. In 1967, St. James had murdered his parents and his sister as a teenager. The secret was outed when reporters at the Georgetown Advocate tracked him down and connected him to the murders. How could such an esteemed and award-winning professor of psychology be a murderer? And how did he even get to become a professor? I mean, to be honest with you, it kind of makes sense as to why someone who was a killer became a professor of psychology. You can really get into the mind yeah. of a killer because yeah. you were one. Like, what? Something happened. <laughs> so St. James was Jewish. St. James was actually born as James Gordon Wolcott. His parents were Gordon and Elizabeth Wolcott, and he had an older sister, Libby. In 1967, St. James was 15 years old and living in a small town in Texas called Georgetown. His father was a biology professor at the local university. His family was well-known and respected in the town. St. James and his sister, Libby, who was 17, went to Georgetown High School. Both were good students, and his sister was valedictorian of her high school class. And St. James also got good grades and was described as having a high IQ. St. James might have been a good student, but he was very troubled. He started sniffing the glue used in model airplanes and got into the anti-Vietnam War and peace movement of the late 60s. However, his father did not want him to be involved in the peace marches and forbade him from attending the rallies and marches. Soon he started to feel at odds with his family and felt they were driving him insane. I'm going to ask a very strange question, but sniffing the glue, is there, was there a chemical in glue? There was, so this was more, this was actually pretty well known back then. And I've heard many stories of this later of people becoming addicted essentially to huffing model glue and huffing is not anything new. It's still something a lot of people have addictions to people will huff glue, people will huff uh, uh, spray paint, people will huff those, well that's why those air duster cleaners you have to show an ID to buy because there was even an episode of, um, oh, when that show, uh, oh my god. That real popular show was on about addiction. Um, when they would, oh god, my strange addiction. No, 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 no. It's oh god. What do you do when you get a group of people together? My brain literally is not working. Uh, intervention. Group? Intervention. Okay. Intervention. <laughs> they literally hold intervention for friends and family members that are in active addiction. And there was a really popular episode in one of the first early seasons of the show Intervention of a very young girl that was highly addicted to huffing the air duster cleaners. Really? And so essentially the chemicals in any of those things, when you huff them, um, 
essentially you're it, it's you're putting so holes it's in the, your it's the same thing as sniffing sharpies and all that kind of stuff. It's all the same thing. Okay. It's yeah, when you're inhaling solvents like that, like okay. you're essentially you're destroying your brain. I know it doesn't seem like a big deal to most people where they're just like, oh, that's just how does huffing glue make you go and kill people? It's like you're doing it long enough. You're literally destroying your brain. Is that why the world is in that state that we're in right now? Is because too many people huffed the glue? Probably. So on the night of August, <laughs> it's more viable at this point than anything else seems to be. So I'll go with it. We'll go with it. We'll go with it. Um, on the night of August fourth, nineteen sixty-seven, Saint James attended a concert with his sister. After returning from the concert, he sniffed glue and armed himself with a twenty-two rifle. It was midnight when he decided to go on a murderous rampage. He went into the living room and shot his father twice in the chest, then walked into his sister's bedroom and shot her in the chest and the head, and then next he walked over to his mother's bedroom and shot her three times in the head and chest. His father and sister died on the spot, but his mother was barely surviving. St. James had the rifle in the attic crawl space, ran out of the house, and hailed a car with three college students. He told them that someone had killed his family and kept yelling, how could this happen? The students went to the house and found his mother barely clinging to life, and they immediately contacted the police, and his mother was taken to the hospital where she ended up dying. Although St. James initially pretended he did not kill his family, he changed his mind and revealed the truth when the police questioned him. He told them he had been planning the murders for a week, and he made up his mind to kill them the night before the shootings. He also showed them the hiding place of the rifle that he used in the murders, and the police placed him in the county jail. Many psychiatrists questioned St. James about his murders. He told them that he hated his family, and strangely, his reasons for hating his family seemed trivial. He mentioned that his sister was annoying, his mother chewed her food too loudly, and that his father forbade him from getting involved in the peace movement. There was no evidence that they abused him or had been cruel to him, However, St. James admitted that he had been sniffing glue for several months and was suicidal. The psychiatrist declared that he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia and was mentally competent to stand trial. There was only a brief trial. The defense for St. James claimed he was mentally insane and the all-male jury handed out the verdict of not guilty by reason of insanity. All the charges against him were dropped. He was taken under the care of psychiatrists who committed him to Rusk State Hospital until he could regain his sanity. In 1974, he was declared to be sane and released. In the meantime, he inherited his parents' estate and even received his father's monthly stipend from his university pension fund. Could we get him? I mean, I can see how that pisses people off. Yeah, I can too. Upon his release from Rusk State Hospital, St. James decided to pursue a career in academics just like his father. Ironically, he decided to study psychology. He received a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in the field and graduated with a PhD degree. I think that's so fascinating to me because, you know, it's just like us who are, like, obsessed with true crime and really into that stuff. I mean, we've never killed anybody, but... It makes sense as to, it really makes sense to me as to why he would be into that and why he would be wanting to study psychology because he literally is the story that a lot of people tell. Well, on these I think things. that once, you know, there's, there's no condoning when things like this happen. No. But I think that in part, 
the psychology of it is always interesting especially in situations like this where you take into account not only how young he was but even though the reasons for killing them may have seemed trivial back in the 60s if you take all of that away annoying sister annoying mom and dad but then you add in the fact that this was an undeveloped brain that had been using really a pretty powerful drug for months that was essentially turning a undeveloped brain into mush. Um, yeah, I, I would say that once your brain is off the drugs and able to focus clearly and you're in a psychiatric hospital where you regain your sanity and you're able to recognize why you did what you did, then it would kind of behoove you, I think, after that and would sort of make sense. I don't think it seems out of the realm of possibility or strange at all that you would pick um, studying why you did what you did, essentially. Because once you regained your sanity and you're in this hospital, you're trying to understand it and cope with it. But now not only that, you're studying it after. It would make perfect sense because it's like, you want to even your understand why of, you did what you did. Right, right. It's your way of your way of maybe possibly at some point personally understanding why you did this. Um, he changed his name from Wolcott to St. James and received a job as a professor of psychology at Millican University, which is a Presbyterian liberal arts school. He never revealed his murderous past in the Millican job application. I mean, who would? And Milliken St. James did accept... And who knows if he had to, if he was essentially found... Right. ...not guilty and the charges were dropped. At Milliken St. James did exceptionally well and was liked and respected by students and colleagues. He rose up in the ranks, received distinguished academic awards, and became department head of the Behavioral Sciences Unit. He had been a faculty member in the department since 1986. In his personal life, he never married or had a family of his own. When the news of St. James' horrifying past was revealed in 2013, Millican University decided to stand by him. They released a statement saying, quote, Given the traumatic experiences of his childhood, Dr. St. James' efforts to rebuild his life and obtain a successful professional career have been remarkable, unquote. Uh, there had been calls for his re resignation, but the university decided not to heed them. He had his staunch supporters, with one of them even remarking on a public forum, quote, James is honestly one of my favorite people in the world. He was my favorite professor, research advisor, and mentor. If I had children, I would trust him to babysit my kids. I don't know what happened, if he's still schizophrenic or not, but he's one of my closest friends and mentors, and I support him completely, unquote. St. James may have turned over a new leaf, but questions still arise over the murders. Was St. James really insane? or just highly intelligent enough to get away with the murders. As of 2021, St. James is still listed on the Millican University's website and faculty director of behavioral, uh, the, the behavioral science department. Um, yeah. Do I really think, do I really think that he did it to get away with murder? No, I, I agree with everything that you've been saying. I mean, like, he just... Too much of an underdeveloped brain for too much of snorting some... Some glue and getting high, you know? 
Yeah, and I think that even, I think that what happens with, and I think the more that we're understanding, especially schizoaffective disorders, mm -hmm. that if it's not necessarily full-blown paranoid schizophrenia, and it's a schizophrenic episode brought on by, because there there have been very, there have been many, many, many documented cases of uh, drug-induced psychosis or drug-induced, um, can, can trigger a schizoaffective break in someone v variety of different drugs um even marijuana even cannabis people who have been diagnosed with schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorders are highly recommended to not use cannabis it can um lessen the effectiveness of their medications and start to make their auditory and uh auditory and visual hallucinations stronger um definitely not any type of psychotropic medication no no type of psychedelics whatsoever obviously no mushrooms no acid nothing like that because those can bring about obviously bring about hallucinations um so yeah i i think it's very well likely that even giving a high iq which is has again there have been cases where that's been documented in people, even with schizophrenia, um, with DID, uh, dissociative identity disorder, a lot of different highly um, or like more psychological mental disorders like that are typically associated with high IQs. So that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody is so smart that they can outsmart an actual mental diagnosis. Um, yeah, I, I firmly believe he had a complete and total psychotic break. I don't, I don't think it was necessarily paranoid schizophrenia. I think he had a no. drug-induced psychosis. Yeah, I agree with that. I think especially with the leading up to that, um, all the depression he had. The thoughts of suicide, the thoughts of killing his family. It really was just a perfect of... storm of everything. And I think hearing that is why prior to doctors getting involved and finding him um, not guilty by reason of insanity, I think that the defense was trying to mount a defense of premeditated murder because he told them that... Oh, yeah, I've always wanted to kill my family. I've been wanting to kill them for months. Well, when you go back to those for months, those were all months that he was huffing glue. And also within those months, he was having hallucinations of not only killing his family, but killing himself. Right. So um, I wouldn't consider it premeditated. I would consider no. it psychosis. Fully drug-induced psychosis especially yeah and again given the fact that he was still a teenager so yeah a baby teenager at that yeah you're dealing with a, a brain that's undeveloped that had a complete and total psychotic break um from really 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 powerful drugs it really sucks though i you know being him and having to deal with that, I feel like he went into the field that he did to 
quote unquote, maybe make up for it, you know, where he's like, if I can talk to somebody about how this stuff works, maybe I can, you know, help somebody understand going through something like the way that he did. Cause I wouldn't be able to live with myself knowing that I did that to my family, you know? So there was an article, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> Please enjoy the sound of the birds. <laughs> I know. I hope they're loud enough for everybody. I, they look. It looks like it's picking up and picking them up. So, um, this article came out in 2017, and it was actually written by a student of Dr. James Saint, James Saint James. It was written for the Daily Beast. And the article was my professor, the killer, why Dr. James said James St. James should stay. Her name is, I believe, pronounced Joelle Charbonneau or Charbonneau. Um, and she says that in 1967, or I should say this is the way the article starts off. Um, I'll send it to you. In 1967, a 15-year-old boy killed his family in Georgetown, Texas. Then he grew up to be my psychology professor, and I'm okay with that. But not everyone is. Last week, for the first time, news reports connected Jim Wolcott, the triple murderer, with Dr. James St. James, the Millican University psychology professor. In his trial for the killings, Wolcott was declared not guilty by reason of insanity after being diagnosed with a mental illness. While detained in a mental institution, Wolcott earned his high school diploma and began taking college courses in psychology. Six years after he began treatment, he had a new trial and was declared mentally stable. Since then, he completed bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees in psychology. In his position at Milliken, he has received awards for teaching excellence and has countless students who are proud to call him their mentor. I took two of Dr. St. James' courses as an undergraduate. He was an interesting teacher. He pushed students to think for themselves, especially in the honors classes I took my senior year. He was smart, engaging, and compassionate when I needed to miss his class in order to come home for an emergency in my future husband's family. Now that a Texas newspaper revealed that Jim Wolcott changed his name to James St. James, those opposed to his position at the university have been very vocal. The mayor of Decatur, Illinois, the home of Milliken, has called for his dismissal. People around the country have said that he should not be trusted to be in a room with students because he killed in his past or because he could have a mental breakdown like he did 46 years ago. The university has stood by him, saying that while they, are, while they were unaware of his past, they know him to be a valued teacher whose students have sung his praises. Since hearing the news, I've thought long and hard about how I feel about my professor's past and how it should impact his present. Reading the story made me feel ill. My initial thoughts were, someone I know killed his family? He's now a teacher? That's terrible. But those knee-jerk reactions have given way to something more important. A strange kind of hope. I, I like this part, actually. A strange kind of hope that the justice system we as a society profess to believe in really works. That a boy with a mental illness can receive treatment and find a way to not only live a good life, but one that has had a profound positive effect on thousands of students. Despite so many advancements in our society, there remains a huge stigma attached to mental illness. The Georgetown fucking men. <laughs> oh boy, understatement of the century. The Georgetown advocate story made him sound sinister. 
and makes it sound as if having a mental illness helped him avoid justice and that he has never had to show remorse over his actions because of his past condition. And how would you know that? How would anybody, that, that would be such a deeply personal thing to say without knowing that someone shows no remorse for something like that. How, how would you even speculate? Like, I think that's the most disgusting thing of all of that is not only to make him out to seem like he just didn't care or that he was using this as an excuse rather, but that he just flat out didn't care and still doesn't care. Um, I have to disagree with, she, Joelle goes on to say, I have to disagree with that slant. Maybe because I sat and listened to Dr. St. James lecture and have had conversations with him during office hours or in the hall. After much soul searching, I can passionately say that I disagree that he should step down or be made to feel ashamed of the life that he has built for himself since that terrible night over four decades ago. Has he publicly stated that he is remor remorseful about his crimes? I have no idea and I am not certain that it should make a difference. The words, I'm sorry, are easily said and just as easily forgotten. So true. Mm -hmm. Living a life pursuing the field that would help him understand what caused him to pick up a weapon and kill his family and dedicating his life to advancing that field so that others will not do what he did. That's literally what I said. That to me means so much more than any words. Also, mm -hmm. what does he owe to you? That right he needs to say I'm sorry 40 years later like what does that what is he owing to anybody by saying that and what difference is that going to make when this when what he's been doing is making the actual difference everybody in, in wants him to go not only I'm in the sorry, world but in his own can't be perfect <laughs> sorry I, I would I would appreciate that apology actually that's I all would too that's all he's got to do and then we'll all be happy especially the millennials every day that he spends helping educate and research that which caused him to take his family's life is a way of remembering them and making sure that no one does what he once did. No one can ever bring back no one can ever bring back lives that are taken, but there is a great good in the determination to find mental health and to promote awareness. The very things that Dr. James that Dr. St. James has done since. For once, the justice system turned a man who was a threat to society into one who is making it a better place. Isn't that the, isn't that, like, really think about that. Isn't that the point of the justice system? Like, when it was brought up before about prison reform. Well, isn't, isn't this reformation, wouldn't this be considered a reformation? Somebody completely, completely turning their life around. Just completely. saying. Just saying. Um, I'm not the only one who thinks so. Since the story broke, my fellow Millican alums have been talking a great deal about this event on Facebook. Many said that they were still shocked by the news, but of the dozens of posts I've seen on the revelations about Dr. St. James, only one person said that they questioned his ability to continue with his job. Uh, the want Dr. St. James to remain in the classroom, they want Dr. St. James to remain in the classroom and commend Millican for standing by him. Taylor Black, a recent graduate, said overcoming a serious mental illness with so much adversity while going on to earn a doctorate and become a fantastic professor, professor is a miraculous feat. I mean, yeah. Miraculous is an understatement. Like, yeah. His determination to make each and every one of us successful in his classes makes him more than a good guy. He's a great one. I know him as a warm, thoughtful person who was a friend as well as a fantastic teacher. 
Milliken alum, and Hollywood actress Heather Burris. Oh, I actually know who that is. Oh my god, who is that? She was in that movie Foxfire with Angelina Jolie that I was literally, if you're an elder millennial, we were all and queer. Holy shit. If you were a queer little elder millennial as myself, you were obsessed with that movie because essentially that and Gia were our first introductions into Angelina Jolie and she kissed girls in both. So we we like girls who kiss girls. Yeah. We are anyway. Um, hashtag WLW Women Loving Women. If you've never seen that movie, you're welcome. Happy um, Pride. Come to exactly. <laughs> came to all my gigs. Even cooked meals for me when I was broke one summer and really needed a decent meal. Like, come on, that's that's a psychopath. That's my experience of the man. It's really all I think. It's really all I think I can use to judge him. Um, also there's examples of him actually showing empathy like the one woman saying that like I had a family emergency and he was like yeah it's no problem like I I think the fact that he's been able to be empathetic is a big thing in showing that because that that's a cute that's that's the number one trait in someone that's a psychopath is when you have no empathy you have no idea how to feel what someone else is feeling and Every single time you're hearing positive things about him, that's it. That's that's the same thing over and over and over and over. That's like the same message over and over and over is that is how empathetic he was. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's a that's that's a huge thing. Um, perhaps the most powerful phrase is the one that I have seen over and over again. I believe in redemption. It is a phrase I would like to believe we all stand by. Uh, Dr. St. James, if people are really working it's not even so much an apology because I agree that apologies come and go. It's what you are doing. It's literally your redemption story. What is your redemption story? His sorry if is what done, he's doing right, right. now. If you've sorry. done wrong by someone, no matter what you've done wrong, even at the most heinous of what he did, if your redemption, if you're, if you're sorry for what you did, is doing everything possible for the rest of your life to be the best person that you can be. Why does there need to be a, let me wheel out a podium and say, I'm sorry. There's so many people that say, I'm sorry, and then do nothing. They have no redemption. They don't feel like they need it. We, we built, we've unfortunately built a really negative societal marker around that. Mm-hmm. of just saying, oh, my bad. But doing nothing to show what you're sorry for. I will always We've say like this. made that the norm Actions. in a weird way. A lot of people have made that the norm to just say, oh my bad, but do nothing, do nothing about it. Actions speak louder than words. Yeah. That is your redemption. Yeah. That is your I'm sorry. Is changing, making it making yourself better to in turn make the world a better place. Being a better person every single day, that is your redemption. It's it's so true. I, it, I believe in redemption. Yeah, everybody deserves that. 100%. Dr. St. James has not willingly spoken to the media about his past, and I can't blame him. He'd be ripped apart, so it's just... Um, but days before I wrote this piece, I sent a message to him offering him my support of the new life he has created. I didn't expect a reply considering the amount of mail this new storm must have created, but whatever you may believe of Dr. St. James in his past, in his pre- 
whatever you believe of Dr. St. James and his present in and his past in his present, he is a teacher first and foremost. Despite the current news cycle, he remains responsive and available to students, both past and present. He answered my email with the same intelligence and willingness for discourse that I remember from his classroom years ago. As one who has had the privilege of teaching both high school and college students, I find great good in his commitment to his students as well as his dedication to the profession he has spent his adult life serving. Does that negate the horror of what happened in 1967? No, nothing can. But knowing what he has devoted his life to, but knowing that he has de devoted his life to a purpose that might save families the same terrible fate he visited, he visited up on his own, to me that is far more justice than most victims ever receive. So maybe I'm naive. Perhaps it, perhaps it is my fervent wish that people can be redeemed that makes me write these words. But I stand by Dr. James St. James, and I am hopeful that since he demonstrated that there is a way out of the darkness, that others can find it too. Yeah, I thought that was a very well worded. Um, coming from somebody who knew him both personally and professionally, I think that's what you want to hear in instances like this, is who knew this man personally and professionally for long enough that they could really, I mean, like in all sincerity come to bat for him and say, this man of all others should not be judged for the actions of his past. He is doing everything and has done everything imaginable. He sounds like himself. a sweetheart. He really I mean, does. We, how many episodes how many countless podcasts have there been out there, not only ours, but others that have discussed people who have killed people, either one person, two people, their whole families, um, serial killers, murder sprees, any of it, they, they either are not sorry at all, or if they say they're sorry, they're sorry they got caught, um, and when they're in prison, who who knows if a lot of them are so far? I okay. I think I think some can be just too far gone, and I think it just depends on how deep their psychosis goes. I think okay, like in an instance like Ed Gain, mm -hmm. um, Ed Gain did kill two people, but I think it was more of the heinous reasons behind why he did what he did, and the years and years and decades of mental abuse he suffered from the hands of his own mother. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, that was a psyche that was just broke. Now again, now this was somebody who did spend the rest of his life in a mental hospital. He did not go to a prison. Um, so he did go to a mental hospital like Dr. St. James did. But I think the biggest difference is that first of all, Ed was not a teenager when this happened. He was a full grown man, very well into his years, um, older man. And uh, I, I think that the psychoses were very, very, very different as James's was more of a break. Ed's was something that had festered for years. That was always there. That even after the murders and everything else that he did um, was never going to go away. Because I don't think that... I think some people in some instances like that are past the point of help. Mm -hmm. um, he was past the point of help.
Jeffrey Dahmer was past the point of help. Um, there are some people that are just past the point of help. I think, you know, uh, if, if you can lead it back to a, a particular psychosis, um, yeah. It's just very I think fascinating. Some of those can just be completely. It's very fascinating to me help. what the brain does, you know, what what the brain can do in certain situations and with certain. What is the word? I'm, I cannot think of words today. The word influences Same. with certain influences. Yes. The brain, what the brain can do, it's wild, man. Psychology has always been super fascinating to me, anyways. But. His Which is story. Why that's, I mean, that's the whole point of, you know, the his former student bringing up the fact that, you know, him specifically picking um, psychology uh, to teach as further a way of redeeming what he did so that he could potentially stop anybody from doing what he did by understanding the psychology behind it. Not just understanding the psychology behind other people, but understanding the psychology within yourself. If you think that you have something like that deep within yourself and you can come to an understanding of it. Um, how many people through his classes and his compassion, his empathy, he might have gotten to go to therapy because of thoughts and feelings that they were having that may have been brought up in class one day when they were like, Ooh, maybe I have felt like this. Um, it would be hard to know or hard to say how many people's lives he changed around from potentially acting out violently the way he did. That's literally what think about. I mean, that's, that's, that is, like... that's huge. That's a huge thing. That's the biggest thing with any type of violent crime, whether it leads to a murder or not is is this person capable of not doing this again well it's like exactly what ohio state reformatory they literally build places to do exactly what they did for him and what he did which was started out rough and then turned his life around that's literally places like that were literally built for people like him. i think i think the biggest outcome of all of this too was the fact that he that luckily he was placed at that time in a uh, mental facility that actually was able to uh, rehabilitate him mm -hmm. and not have it be a more unfortunate outcome. Because um, I think it would have been totally different if he would have ended up in a prison. At 16, 17 years old, if he would have been tried as an adult, and found guilty and sentenced to prison. I I think the outcome would have been totally different. There there would have been nobody would have cared about rehabilitation because he would have been he would have become a part of the system. And at that point, once you're part of the system and you just fall in line, I I think that would have. Yeah, I think the outcome would have been vastly different had he gone to prison. 100%. And who knows, maybe the domino effect, he wouldn't have influenced some of the people that he influenced in his life. And who knows what would have happened to them and their families, you know? Well, and you're not, you know, you're not getting any, 
in prison, there would be no psychological help. No. There would be no, maybe, maybe drugs, maybe psychotropic drugs they would give him that would probably just numb him or have him drooling. But there, there's no therapy. There's no talking these things out. There's no recognizing where these thoughts and feelings are coming from. There's no, there's none of that. There's none of those therapies that are so influential and life-changing and life-saving, essentially, that you're receiving in prison versus a psychiatric facility where that's those that's what those people are there to do is ultimately reform you know give you enough help so that one day you are reformed declared sane and can live a regular normal life um he was given that chance thank you know thank goodness somebody that young was given that chance um you know, and it's interesting that that Georgetown article, that hometown article that wanted to bring this all up and makes you wonder why or what happened or was it like the anniversary of their, well, yeah, it would have been the anniversary of their deaths because they said the article came out in 2007 and the deaths happened in 1967. So, um, but why they would need to point out, I mean, I, I guess I get for certain contexts that they would need to point out that it would be an all-male ju jury, but it's not like that was that uncommon back in the 60s. That it would have been an all-male jury, especially in Illinois, in, you know, rural Illinois. Um, so, I mean, I guess I get on some instance why that was brought up, but when you look at the context of it, that really wasn't that uncommon. And I think, um, well, you know, whether it was a jury of his peers, that's all, you know, that's what all that matters. And I think whether it was women or men or a mixture of both, I think the outcome made a huge difference not only in his life but in the lives of others clearly right. otherwise you wouldn't have that many people defending him no nobody would be defending him they're like Ew. well like that person said of out of all the comments once there was a facebook post put out about it out of all the comments that were left there was only one that was questioning him all of the other ones were saying like absolutely he should be redeemed he's a wonderful person wonderful teacher he deserves this. He should definitely keep his job. You know, because I, I think that this could just be applied to anything of when it's like, you know, when people just, you think of cancel culture today, the way that's taken on a, a world of its own where you're just like, okay, what does that even mean? What, what does that mean to do that to somebody, to cancel them? And, and what did they do that's, so egregious that warrants them being canceled. Now there are, I mean, okay, we know there's obviously been, look, you do some racist ass shit or you fucking hit somebody, you're done. Absolutely. What's your name? Where's your job? Oh, you lost your job? Oh, you you're done. Okay. Well, yeah. You're done. You don't need to, you don't need to be working any kind of job where you're working around people or children or whatever if you think it's okay to physically put your hands on people or to cuss people out um, or just say really horrible, vile, racist things all out in public that somebody records and puts all over TikTok and has you looking like a fucking fool, not, not just a fool, but a fucking racist piece of shit, absolutely you deserve to lose your job. Bye-bye. You're done. Who cares? Boo-hoo, play your little violin, build a bridge, get over it. Nobody fucking cares. Literally nobody cares. Um, 
or you hit women and cuss women out and you make a multi-million dollar movie and don't lose your job but anyway um or you do that you know but karma will get for you the ones that do lose their job nobody has like nobody has sympathy for you at all so but then you okay so that fine quote-unquote canceled absolutely but when you have these people where so, now where it's taken on where where like all these things happen you know what i mean like a good thing you know the the uh the road is for good intentions is paid like it's it's never anything that's meant to have good intentions is is the road never, to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Exactly. I was like, what it's is so that true. saying? It's so true. Because <laughs> where it started off as, where this cancel culture shit started off as what people would perceive to be a good idea took on a life of its own. And now you have it to where somebody could say something on Twitter or Instagram or on a podcast or whatever that somebody just like, well, I didn't like what you said. It's not that it was racist. It's not that it was sexist. It's not that it was transphobic. It's not that it was anything. It's just that you said something that I disagree with. I didn't like what you said. So you should be canceled. Okay, well, what does that mean? Should they, you know, somebody loses their job, you lose your livelihood. You, you've lost everything. You, you have no means to take care of yourself. So now you're if you lose your job now you're potentially you're going to lose your home now you're homeless like where does it end when you say you want somebody canceled and what do they need to be canceled for does does it justify what they did to literally destroy somebody's life i think that you could really easily take this i know a lot of people are saying what's the correlation this guy killed his family like how are you correlating that i think it could totally be correlated i think anything when, when you think in terms of redemption and what people should be forgiven for and what certain people think people should just, I think we, we've lost track of what's forgivable and what's unforgivable because now it's about, it's not about what's right and what's wrong. It's about, did you do something I didn't like? I'm going to destroy your whole life like that. It's just, that's such a, that's become such a wild, that's why I hate cancel culture. strange thing. Like it's awful now. It's, it's terrible. It's like all collectively we agreed. And I think still there's sane and like-minded people that will all agree. If you do something really fucking horrible, you put your hands on somebody, you put your hands on somebody's child, your own child, you abuse an animal, you're fucking racist yeah you okay you lost your job uh you assaulted someone and you lost your job okay yeah i mean i think like collectively we all agree that those are that that is definitely something that and i don't even like to use the word cancel for those things because that's not you're not being canceled you those are consequences of your actions that's not essentially you oh, being canceled. Look, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions right that that started <laughs> off as what people called cancel culture when essentially it's not that you're being canceled you are what receiving should, what karma happen karma's coming back around what, you're getting what you put out coming back on you consequences to actions that's fucking life but now it's not even about that anymore and it's it's like we no you you can't 
there can be no workaround if that's the way the world is going to work that I don't like what you did so your life should be destroyed well what did they do oh I well what they did I didn't like okay what does that mean like <laughs> you have to give more context before you're saying like this whole person's life should be completely destroyed over a mistake or a misunderstanding you know it, it just i'm so tired of people people just are one extreme they just they just can they just want to go to all these extremes and you should definitely give people literally humans learn and grow and evolve learn e grow we e grow we e grow e yes. grow yeah so learn not to be confused with i grow that's a totally different company yes so it's e grow right humans evolve trademark and copyright <laughs> Humans learn, grow, and evolve. Like, I don't understand why they can't make a mistake and then learn from that. Because people that are glued to social media are de-evolving. Are you saying the social media is destroying us? I don't remember who said that. Who, who said that when social media started getting popular that it was going to destroy us because they were fucking right? I hate social... I used to love social media. I fucking hate it now. Well, I hate to bring it up, but Ted Kaczynski was right about it all the way back then. R.I.P. He killed himself last week in his cell. Um, if people didn't know that. Uh, but um, definitely the way that Ted Kaczynski executed his message was wrong. We do not kill people. <laughs> we do not blow people up with bombs. But everything he wrote in about the industrial revolution industrial revolution about ai about all of this of where we are today how that would ultimately be our downfall every bit of it came true yep it all came true every bit of it came true he was also um i am a firm believer <laughs> like go back to our episode we did about charles manson he was a victim of cia of the cia's mk ultra experiment this was also someone who was highly intelligent that at 16 at Harvard was taken advantage of by adults and his professors and drugged secretly and um, became part of the CIA's MK Ultra experiment and it completely fractured his brain. So take that with you, whatever you want. Because a lot of people are like, huh? That happened to Ted Kaczynski? Yeah, it did. He was an early victim of the CIA's MK Ultra experiment. Yes, they you know were doing it on the campus of Harvard. Two students, without them being able to give any consent. And now again, he was a minor. So there wasn't even parental consent for what happened to him. For him being drugged and having to undergo these extremely severe um, uh, tests that they were putting him through to, te to test his mental abilities while under the influence of these drugs like it fractured his psyche completely but he said this he said all of this and it all gets muddled with the unabomber stuff and people don't want to hear it because of the violence behind what he did and it was awful nothing negates that nothing negates anything of what ted kaczynski did but his message got so lost in the sauce of the downfall of what technology would do to us and we're seeing all of it right now 
chat gpt ai the writer strike bruh the, ai is terrifying uh, this this depression and all these instances of, of of mental health decline with social media there is there is going what for what good these things offer there is ultimately a huge backlash and and we're seeing it the road to hell is paved with good intentions it always is that phrase will never not be true <laughs> amen so I mean, take that with however you want, but for the love of God, so many of us, and I'll say it, I've said it before and I'll say it again, get off your goddamn phone and go for a fucking walk. Go touch, touch some the grass. Gra yeah, go touch some grass, go talk to a tree, go look at the sky, do not stare at the sun. But <laughs> yeah, you so, probably shouldn't do that. Don't do that. Don't stare at the sun. But literally, you need to talk, you need to hug a tree, touch the grass, and look at the fucking sky and breathe in some fresh air. Because if you make your whole world around this we're getting QAnon again like come on people like this is this social is what media happened. is a fake world it's fake none of it's, it's real. not real and the the less that i use social media the happier i am oh i always feel so good i i hate that there's all these stupid trackers on my phone but i do get happy when i see this one that's like you used your phone three hours less than you did. Yes, I love that. Hi. Especially when it's like, you were on Facebook less, and I was like, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. Typically, I'm just sending funny stuff back and forth if I ever use social media. So yeah. that's the only good for it. You try just, if, if, you are gonna use it, if you are going to use it, keep it as positive as possible so it brings some joy in your life. Do not curate your algorithm to look like the most bipolar mess imaginable and it's all over the place and you wonder why you feel fucked up by the end of the day well that's why i love winding your emotions down. are not meant to be all over the place like on a daily basis i love winding down with tiktoks at the end of the day with my girlfriend because guess what my tiktoks are fucking funny and mostly animals oh my husband's instagrams are fucking hysterical and mostly animals so that's how we wind down as he's always saying animals really, really funny ones because if anything like, oh, is, is so pure in this fucking Ugh. dumpster fire of a world it's fucking animals oh. animals are so pure i love my cat i love my cats <laughs> and my guinea pig i feel so sorry for my guinea pig because i feel like he feels like he's left to the wind I work. <laughs> he's like mm, it's really funny because in the mornings when we i get forget up forget about you don't like you when I get up to feed the cats, he starts screaming like, "Mommy, don't forget me!" Oh, that is hysterical. I'm like, "I'm coming, buddy." <laughs> that is hysterical. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm like, "I know, I'm coming." <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. Well, I'll get off my soapbox now, guys. I just thought, like, please, all of us, keep that in mind. Like, cancel culture is bad. Touch the grass and hug a tree. Get off your fucking phones. If you are going to be on your phone, curate it to happy, positive stuff. And let's just... Redemption is real. Live a better life. If you can't change the world, change yourself. <sighs> That's what you got. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... Heal the world, make it a better place. 
I feel yeah. like I feel I, I was like I was like this is a Michael Jackson song coming on. Come on now. Michael Jackson was ahead of his time. Let's be real. <laughs> well, he wasn't necessarily ahead of his time. He just was talking about shit back then that's still fucking relevant. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that that's that's all I have. My soapbox was uh, and especially if anybody did not know about that story, I think that's just yeah. a good. I think not only is it an interesting story, it's also a story that you can see from different perspectives. Um, and it really is a redemption story. It really is like if we want to believe that people can change, then you have to give them to chance the chance to show. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Michael Jackson again. So yeah, guys. Um, my soapbox is really just don't try not to judge someone solely on their past, especially if they're starting to show. You know, change for the better. I know it's hard for a lot of people to change, but I believe it's possible, and he is walking proof of that. If they show it, yeah. If, if actions, by the way, it. actions, yeah. not just oh, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. No, you can say oh, you like I said, his actions is his apology. Mm-hmm. Actions speak louder than words. Always, 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 always. So if someone apologizes, I mean, you can you can just continue to watch them and make sure that they follow up and they follow through. That's all. Yep, and if you're mine, there is no change. Cut them the <laughs> fuck off. As you life always say, too, and life I love is it, too be blocked and be blessed. Bye-bye. You ain't sitting at my table. Bye-bye. Bye. Life is too motherfucking short. For all that shit. Alright, so do you want to talk about what next week's is? It's a cult. Yes. They're, that the I'm sure is going to was, trigger my religious... No, I'm just kidding. The documentary was on Netflix. Probably not. This cult was fucking crazy. Um, it was... It was They're not so much religious as it was just... Really I mean, you're right. Wild. I was kidding, by the way. Um, I don't get triggered by that stuff anymore. The <clears throat> documentary was on Netflix. I believe it is now on Tubi. Um, and it's called Holy Hell. It is definitely worth worth the watch. And the reason why it's kind of... The documentary, I think, though, came out in, like... It came out a little while ago, like a couple of years ago. But the reason why it got brought back up in the forefront, and I think the reason why more people are probably hearing about it, is um, from... Shout out to Joe Rogan. He lives in Austin, Texas, and opened up a comedy club in Austin, Texas. Um, but where he was originally going to open his comedy club was the former compound of where this cult was. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, he was, he was bringing it up to a lot of people. He'd have so many comics on that are like, oh, it's so cool. You're, you're making your own comedy club in Austin from LA. Like, move from LA. You're gonna have your own comedy club. You're gonna build your own comedy club. And then he like, well, I'm moving it. And people are like, why? And then all of a sudden he's like, you ever heard of this cult? And then I was like, oh my God, I remember watching a documentary because I, if you guys know, if anybody knows me or if I probably saw on the podcast before, I'm a sucker and a whore for documentaries. I will watch any and every documentary, no matter what it's about, no matter what I it is. I love a good documentary. Because I just love being full of useless knowledge and just going, and just a lot of them are just a lot of, holy shit, even if they're not true crime ones. Um, 
and that one was a huge holy shit i was like what the fuck is this cult um and now rogan bringing it back up again because he almost came very close <laughs> to buying the site of where this cult was located and turning Oops. it into a fucking comedy club. So, actually, the irony of that, I wish you would have. Well, there actually ended up being environmental stuff that went on oh. that that stopped it. He part of it he did say like I just I didn't like the energy, especially after watching this documentary what this guy did to these people, and I was like, ooh, the energy at this place is kind of fucked up. So there was totally that, get that, yeah. Which you know. He's a believer in that. I think all people should be believer in, believers in that. If, a, if the juju is off, get the fuck out. But there was also, um, I guess, like, behind it, there was, like, uh, oh, some kind of, like, habitat where there was water and there was, like, all these different environmental concerns that it would be too close to this habitat. It was just very weird. And the build, like, one of the buildings, um, the there were several different buildings on like this like literal compound and like two of them would have had to have been torn down and it would have messed with this like natural wildlife habitat. So there were like all this environmental stuff that went on too, that would have just cost uh. way more money than it would have been worth to put into a, just a comedy club. Um, but I just thought it was really interesting that of all things, this cult is being brought up again. We're like, now it's being put back. Now it's like back in the zeitgeist again. It's back in people's minds again, where they were like, where people either saw the documentary randomly on Netflix, like I did, or, and they, and they were like, Oh, I remember that. Or there are people like, Holy shit. I've never fucking heard of this. And then they Google it and they're like, and they watch the documentary and they're like, what the fuck is this? So, um, I just, I really don't want to say a lot about it because the, you guys just have to listen to the podcast. It's probably one of the craziest. We've done a lot of deep dives on cults here. There are so many different cults that have been around for so many years. There was an amazing documentary that came out years ago called Cults and Extreme Beliefs. And it gave like hour long pieces. There's been so many of those like docudramas that give like hour-long pieces on different cults there's been so many of them over the years but this one by far is one of the craziest i've ever come about and i love that it's kind of back in people's minds again and that they're talking about it again because uh yeah 2016 was originally when it died and i think i watched it 2017 um maybe 2018 it was a couple years after it actually came out but i watched it on netflix and i was like what in the fuck and now i'm like oh i have to find this again but it is on tubi now i really encourage everybody to watch it's an hour and 40 minutes it's really easy to get through it's and you will be glued to it because it it's just it's called holy hell mm. um you'll have you definitely need to watch it to get ready well yes i have i but, have to watch um, it <laughs> yeah it's uh you you don't take your eyes off of it the whole time i've had some documentaries where you could just kind of put it on in the background and ignore it for a few minutes this one you will not ignore you will be glued to it because i mean from start to finish especially when you get to the end of it you're going to be like what like yeah, it's sick. so but just the the power of it goes back to that really innate thing of finding extremely vulnerable people tapping into those vulnerable vulnerabilities telling them what they want to hear 
and then and then you have them trapped you you have them trapped it's such an e the the human psyche is so delicate and there are really sadistic psychotic people out there that know how to mm -hmm. latch on to that and take complete and total control and advantage of it that's why i don't i think anybody that's experienced an abusive relationship would find the parallels and the similarities and really really empathize with people that were formerly in cults because they're one and the same the 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 gaslighting is very much the same the control is very much the same uh the manipulation is very much the same um the being made to feel like you're nothing uh is is exactly the same so when people say well why don't people just how do people end up in cults how do people end up in abusive relationships ask yourself that question because i'll tell you right now it's going to be the same fucking answer i i've garnered i i've never been in a cult um but i have been in abusive situations and watching cult documentaries has really helped me heal because it is one in the same and i really urge anyone who has been through domestic situations to watch more cult documentaries especially this one because this one will really as crazy when you're looking at it from the outside and the whole thing's gonna sound so fucking like how did this one guy do all of this if you look at it from the inside and dig deep and and Again, like me, if you've been in domestic situations and you go, oh, yeah, I, I can see how he did this. He knew what vulnerabilities to tap into. Charles Manson. He's not a very good example, though, because he had CIA help. <laughs> well, I mean, you're right. But still, he was used as, he was so used for the same manipulation. So, and But he, they knew, they knew that he would be good at that i was like, gonna say he had the charisma to sell it so. ted bundy did too mm -hmm. um ted bundy worked at a suicide hotline ed gain was in politics or uh not ed gain but um oh uh wayne john wayne gacy was in politics girl i thought you were about to say ed gain was in politics and i was like when i, was like, <laughs> I, I screwed that up i was like well similar email. but um yeah he was in politics i mean these people the, the yeah it, it's very it, they're very so charismatic and they and they learn like mm -hmm. they they're they they literally learn how to get better and better and better and better at doing what they do so to be holy hell please please watch the documentary and we are going to do a deep dive about i uh, fucking love cults cult though next week god i'm obsessed with that shit i'm like tell me all of the weird shit you're gonna love this one that's why I said I can't. I don't even want to. I I don't even want to describe. I don't even want to describe it because it's just. <laughs> I had no background whatsoever going into the documentary when I first watched it, and I think that was the best way to watch a documentary like this because you come out of it going like, "What the fuck did I just watch? What in the fuck is this?" And I've never. A lot of cults have a lot of similarities. They typically all have. I mean, money and sex is usually the two biggest factors um but and and you know and this one has that the same as the others but oh boy it is so different it's so it's so different it's i laugh because it is so fucking crazy but it's sad like all of these are sad anytime anybody's taken advantage of like that and it and it 
messes with you and then you come out of it and you literally have to be deprogrammed and, and learn how to live again and trust people again and function again because you were fucking brainwashed essentially you fucking brainwashed gaslighting is a form of brainwashing as far as i've never been in a cult that bad but i understand about being brainwashed and have to come back from that shit yeah, i mean yeah for sure all right guys well of course you know we have the socials um if if we forgot what they were for half a second but we'll, we'll get there listen my adhd today brain has been so fucking much i can't focus for shit i've been up since 4 30 this morning <laughs> i love it that's you said i've been up since 4 30. <laughs> just the way you said that it, uh it is oh. 8 30 almost 8 30 eastern time so everybody do the math Oh my god. Of how long Becky has been awake. You've been awake for 20 hours. No, you haven't. Wow. That's not correct. It's okay. It's close. Wait. Four to four is 24 fucking hours. 12. 12. 12. 4 a.m. to 4 p.m. Yes. No, but four. 4 a.m. to 4 p.m. 16. 12. 16 hours. There we go. Yes. No. It can't be 16, because 8 plus 4 Wait. is 12. No. Why is this so hard for my brain? <laughs> Listen. It's 16. 12 plus 4 is 16. Eight. It's 16. Okay. <laughs> I'm finished. You are done. We're both done. We're done. <laughs> You're, You're done. done. <laughs> You're done. You're done. Anyway, we have socials, uh, Facebook, do. Instagram, and Twitter, all at DFWTO Podcast. The handle is DFWTO8493, nope, DFWTO8811. If you want to send us an email, that is the Twitter. <laughs> if you want to send us an email, you can send us an email at DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. That is the email. Yes. And then lastly, if you want to give us a follow and a subscribe and leave us a review, you can do that on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Please do, and uh, we don't really care if you have bad reviews. We read them anyways. Some of them are actually rather funny. They're so funny. Um, I, someone literally said that I couldn't pronounce anything, and I'm like, I'm hella aware of that. I'm <laughs> terrible at pronouncing most Well things. aware. Thanks. Thanks. Um, yeah. Is that a, is, <laughs> I'm right. People are I'm over here like 12 plus 4 like I can't do math but here are our socials <laughs> email us <laughs> so math is actually my favorite but I can't add 12 plus 4 so um <laughs> really, I can only do about the basics but um, really funny story behind that actually I I had a math test back when I was in school and it was this super complicated math problem, and I had to show my work. So it was a really long one, and I, I showed all the work. And when it come down to the very last 11 plus 4 for the answer, I put 14. So the work you showed was correct. Everything was right besides the last 11 plus 4. I put 14. My teacher was so grateful that she just went, what's 11 plus 4? She was grading it, and she goes, what's 11 plus 4? And I said 15, and she goes, then I'm not taking anything off. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she goes, you literally, she's like, it's perfect. 
Well, thank it's God she recognized perfect. that literally you stressed yourself out so bad. Like I'm sure so many of us other undiagnosed neurodivergent children did. We stressed ourselves out so bad already testing and showing the work that by the time by the time we got to the answers, our brains just went burp. Brains, literally, just derp. My brain is a derp. But yes. Anyway, so on socials. <laughs> And uh, rate and review and subscribe on Spotify, especially now that they're doing that, because that helps. It does. Oh, my Jesus. We hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode, and uh, make sure you to go watch Holy Holy Hand on Tubi. Yes. And uh, to prepare for next week. And for and a ride. I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> I literally just... I can't to... wait to watch it again. I've watched it. This will probably be like the third or fourth time now that I've watched it, and I never get sick of watching it. I literally just texted my girlfriend and said, uh, I have to watch a documentary about a cult for the podcast next week, and she said, when, when are we watching it? And I was like, that's right, because she loves, she loves cult stuff, too, as much as I do. So, all right, guys. Well, we'll see you next week. Have a wonderful and safe week, and remember... Don't, Don't fuck with the original. Bye.